0: Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory and we're going to talk about the Kingdom of God. We're going to talk about shepherds this is lambing season on the desert, and I actually am a shepherd. (laughs) One of the few few ministers that you could actually talk to that actually raise sheep and take care of sheep. I've wanted to be a shepherd since I was seven years old. I have no idea why, when my father asked me if uh, what I wanted to be when I grew up, and I told him a shepherd, and he was not you know i I don't know where the answer came from, but uh I just kind of turned to the side and thought and came back with a sheep herder <laughs> and, and uh at that time, I was a rather precocious young man i very uh i you know when most kids are cutting class when they're eighteen years old or something like that when they start. You know, feeling their oats. I was cutting class in kindergarten. <laughs> I was cutting class in first grade. <laughs> I was, I was a bit of a troublemaker, but eventually I, uh, settled down and, uh, did it did all right in school. I wasn't mean. I just, uh, had a mind of my own, but, uh, I, I hated injustice whenever I saw injustice. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I, uh, got into fights with kids because somebody was bullying somebody else. And it didn't didn't matter how high I had to swing to get at them. <laughs> I seemed to jump into trouble at the blink of an eye. That was my upbringing. And I, I didn't even know if I'd ever seen a sheep. But I I when he asked me what I wanted to be, I said a shepherd. And uh, lo and behold, uh, 20, 30 years later, I'm a shepherd in the in the high deserts of Oregon well i've been there for more than 30 years since and uh and uh, still raising sheep and uh not as many as i've had at other times and uh we may even be decreasing the numbers here just simply because the workload as a shepherd of Christ's flock is taking up so much time and energy and uh there are not many laborers for the field so I sent out a question this morning on the the email network where I asked, what is the reason why people pick the wrong ministers? I mean, people pick ministers, pick churches that they want to go to, pick people they want to follow. But we know that many of them are not good ministers. And, uh, I mean, there's actually terrible stories of, uh, horrible stories anyway, of uh Ministers who end up being child molesters and ministers who are are abusers and liars and and philanderers, cheating on their wife with other parishioners' wives, all sorts of horrible stories. And these are the ministers. These are supposed to be the, the top quality people in your community. Uh, that manifests the character of Christ more than anybody else, and they are horrible. I remember when I was a small boy and and uh, was on baseball teams. The priest who was supposed to be kind of a coach blew his top and showed the most unsportsmanlike behavior, cussing and swearing <laughs> on the on the field. Because he didn't like something. And I, I don't even remember to this day what it was. I was just so taken back. And this is a priest? <laughs> How is it that, you know, those, those cases are fairly obvious when they're caught. It's amazing that they can get by fooling people for so long. There's a lot more subtle ways in which the wrong ministers take charge. And take positions of, you know, mental and spiritual power. In a community. And people don't see it. People don't see that there's a problem. Because some of the worst ministers out there. Are really the nicest guys. It's obvious when you see them. You know. Cheating and abusing people. And all those things. But when they're really nice guys. But are teaching a false doctrine. How do you. How. How can you protect yourself from them. Well. Well. That's what we're going to be talking about. That's what we're going to be looking at. We're going to be looking at, uh, you know, every place that they use words like shepherd or pastor. The same word we see in the Old Testament that is translated shepherd is also translated pastor. If you remember Cain and Abel, Abel was a shepherd. Cain was a tiller of the Adama, the clay. And, uh, and there's a very specific reason why these Descriptions are found in the Old Testament of these first two individuals born of Adam and Eve who were, had life breathed into them to hold dominion. They were given dominion over, you know, the fish and the fowl and the, and uh, the animals and every living soul upon the earth. You know, the beasts of the fields, which is the living things of the field. And of course, uh, Cain and Abel met in a field and Cain killed Abel in a field. These are metaphors telling you certain principles that we have seen over and over and over again throughout history where brothers meet in a field. How many, how many stories came out of the Civil War? where one brother was on the south side and one brother or relative or cousin was on the north side. And they were literally fighting members of their own family, divided by their shepherd, which was, you know, uh, Abraham Lincoln and Davis, who were the presidents of those nations. That was their shepherds. That was the leader of their flock. Because those flocks had Cain-type people, leading them, because they plowed the Adama. They forced the Adama, the man, to obey. I mean, Abraham Lincoln was one of the first ones to institute a draft where people were actually arrested and thrown in jail because they did not they did not want to be drafted. They didn't want to, be, to serve in the army. America was an all-volunteer army. It, it, it depended mostly upon a militia. And who's in the militia? Did you know that every able-bodied man between the ages of 17 and 45 are technically in the militia of the United States by code? That, that You don't have to sign up for anything. You just have to be between the ages of 17 and 45 and be able-bodied. And you are already a member of the militia. The militia is... Now, you may not be well organized, but you are already a member of the militia. This is how, you know, nations defended themselves for centuries. The right to bear arms in ancient England, actually, if you were to translate that English, the phrase, into American today, the right to bear arms is actually the responsibility to bear arms because rights were responsibilities. To say that you had a right to do something meant you had a responsibility, a duty to do something. You had, it was an obligation to arm yourself according to your ability. If you couldn't afford a gun, then you get to bring a pitchfork, whatever. If you couldn't, you know, Jesus even says this, you know, you don't have a sword. Uh Sell your coat and get one. <laughs> get a sword. <laughs> so Jesus is telling you that. And he's not talking butter knives. I can guarantee you he's not talking butter knives, because, you know, a few minutes later, somebody cut off somebody's ear with one of those swords. <laughs> so, but how you use it needs to be like Christ. But anyway, we're going to be talking about these shepherds. And, and it's going to take quite a while because there's so much in the Bible telling us about the shepherds. So why are people fooled by false leaders and pastors? Uh, people are following the ways of Cain plowing the Adama, forcing people to line up and and follow their direction. A shepherd doesn't push sheep. And it is one of the most difficult things for me over the years, over the decades now that that I've had to learn is that you do not push sheep. <laughs> you do not force it. if you if you got a lamb that's supposed to suck on its mother and it it's having trouble Finding where what end to go to. So you you kind of nudge it towards the back end so that he'll find that teat and start to suck so that he can live and he'll push away. You push him towards it, he pushes back. You just kind of nudge him a little bit and he kind of walks backwards. And it is very frustrating because you want to force him. <laughs> Here it is, you idiot. <laughs> this is what you're looking for. Oh, no, no. He forced away. I want to die. I want to... <laughs> you cannot force a sheep up a chute. You have to let that sheep think it's his idea <laughs> to go this way. Because if you push against him, he'll push back. If you lean against him, he'll lean back. That's another thing. I'm in the in the sheep pen trying to get that lamb to... uh And the u to stand still so that the lamb can have a chance because some of the sheep are very skittish and and so you want to get them to stand still so that the lamb can find what it's looking for. And when you so you put your hip against the sheep to kind of hold it so it doesn't run around in circles because it is trying to figure out what's this lamb? What's it? You know these are first timers. So you lean into it and it leans back against you. (laughs) It pushes against you. It just does not want to be forced to do anything. So this is what Abel had to do when he was a shepherd. He had to learn not to force, to let nature take its course, lead the sheep, not to force them. Now, you can get a couple of border collies, you know, black and white units, and you can make them go anywhere you want them to go. And, of course, that's what Cain does. And we have a border collie. We are not above those when dealing with the sheep. But it teaches us that we can't do that with people. People have to choose to follow the good shepherd. And, of course, that's what Christ is talking about. You know, my sheep hear my voice. And that in itself is a vetting process. That when you give people the opportunity of choice, many of them are going to choose The wrong shepherd. Why? Why do they choose the wrong shepherd? Why can't they see that this shepherd is going to lead them into desolation, into trouble? Because King David talks about, you know, leading them beside the still waters, making them to lie down in green pastures. Do the sheep pick the shepherd? Do the sheep pick the shepherd they deserve? How does that work? You know, when the people were taken into bondage in Egypt, and they were taken into bondage because they were greedy, they were selfish, they were jealous, they were liars. You know, they cast their own brother into a pit and told their father that he had died. And they sold him into slavery, which was as merciful as they were getting. They wanted to kill him. But one brother said, no, no, we can't kill him. Unfortunately, they, they didn't. And they sold them into slavery. So they themselves went into slavery. As you judge, so shall you be judged. So, the shepherd you pick will determine where you're headed. What's going to happen to you. The kind of shepherd you pick is, is predicting your future. And this is, this is, uh, spiritual. This is not. This is. This is going to be. Those are spiritual choices. Somebody, Prager, you just sent out a thing about. Do you even have a choice? And they had a particular doctor speaking for them on um, this idea of. Do you have a choice? You know what? What kind of choice do you have? Do Do we have free will? And of course, we do have some sort of free will. I believe, despite. The Calvinist theories, you do have a free will. And most people misinterpret Calvin, although Calvin is actually flat out wrong. I mean, anybody who plotted to have somebody burned at the stake, you know he's not divinely inspired by God. But he was a clever guy. The fact is, is that he's partly right in what he says. And, and of course, that's that's one of the problems with the lie. Is the lie is usually filled with a lot of truth and, but there's a little portion that is a lie. And of course the idea that you don't have a choice really gets you off the hook that, you know, you, you're not responsible for anything you do. You don't have a choice, right? But the reality is you do have choices. And it's a choice between two things, following the ways of God or not following the ways of God. You know, going towards the light, shunning the light can't have it both ways. It's one or the other. When you turn your back on the light, something else is going to take over and make your choices for you. When you turn towards the light and willing to face the darkness that you have created in your own heart by turning away from the light to begin with, then another process will take over and you will be given choices and you will know what choice to take. Because we don't do this, this is why people call good evil and evil good. Because they can't see good anymore because they don't want to see the light. They don't want to see the truth about themselves. This again, the metaphor of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve did wrong. They chose to do wrong. They chose to decide for themselves what was good and what was evil. They chose to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They were going to figure things out for themselves. That's not a very humble position to take. That's a very proud position to take. It is a rejection of God. They knew it. And they hid from the truth of that. And God said, you know, they were hiding from God. Because God is light. They they hid from the light and lived in darkness. Chose to live in darkness. If you choose to live in darkness, you will not see the shepherd of light. You will not follow the light of the shepherd. The the guidance of the shepherd. The way of the shepherd. You will do contrary to the way of the shepherd. And there's a lot of little things to look for. To see whether or not you are following the Christ, the Good Shepherd, who is light, who exposes the truth about ourselves. He's trying to lead us to the light, to the way. He is the door. He is trying to show you, by his own example, the way you must follow you can hide from that and people do hide from that and they mostly hide from that in religion the modern term religion religion what you think about god they create doctrines about god yahweh oh we don't want to stifle the spirit of yahweh we we want to follow god we want to do what god wants they all say that but they aren't doing what god said to do so they're liars they lie to themselves. They lie to others. And they will try to get others to follow in their way. We used to have a sheep named Korah. Of course we gave her the name Korah. And she was really a good sheep. She really raised good lambs and all this, but she was not a good rain sheep. She does, she needed to be in a fenced barn situation. She wasn't to be set free. She was designed to live in Egypt. <laughs> to be in bondage. Because when you took her out on the range, she want, she did not want to stay with the flock. She wanted to go away from the flock. But she had a little bit of gregariousness. So she always tried to get other sheep to follow her away from the flock. And usually she could get, you know, 10 or 20. Sometimes as much as a third of the flock would be following her. And I've got lots of stories we've told in the past about dealing with Cora. But... Eventually, Cora got older, and she was sold to the Russians. (laughs) The Russians come, and they want to buy old sheep because that's, you know, they butcher the old sheep. They like mutton. And uh, we've actually had a Russian fellow come here and load an entire van with sheep. And you looked, as he drove out, you see in all the windows, sheep standing looking out the window. And he's in the front seat, I, I guess, nowhere along the highway. Did they jump into the front seat? But there was nothing to keep them from doing that. But he came and he bought them all because uh, they loved to eat mutton. So that's what happened to Cora. But uh, there's lots of Korahs in this world. And they're always seducing people away to follow, not the good shepherd, but bad shepherds, brutish shepherds, shepherds that will turn you into bread for them. Shepherds that are not leading you in the ways of Christ. They are not showing you the door of Christ. And of course, what did Christ come to do? How do you know you're going through the door? Well, if you're not gathering to serve others, to really serve others and set others free, to make them free souls under God, if that's... If you're not gathering for that reason, you're not gathering in the name of Christ. You're not going through the door. If you're trying to force people, like most of the people have gone following Cain, and they have set up systems like Rome. Not Rome the Republic, but Rome the Empire. They force their neighbor to contribute to their welfare. They take a bite out of their neighbor through government, through agency, through taxation. So that they can have free health care, free schooling, you know, free Social Security. Because the money they paid into Social Security has never been on deposit for them. That was to pay for the people at that time. Now, if they want to withdraw money from Social Security, they must take from their neighbor. And so that's what the government does, is it takes from their neighbor so that they can have Social Security, free education, Medicare, Medicaid, WIC. The food stamps, all all these things, it does so that you can have benefits, but that destroys liberty because as you judge, so shall you be judged, and so because you are willing to take away from others, they have an absolute right to take away from you. You've gone back into bondage. Christ came to set you free, but you didn't do what Christ said, so now you're in bondage. and You can't just suddenly say, well, now I believe in Christ, so now I can just be free suddenly, instantaneously. No, you have to turn around. You have to repent. You have to start going the other way. You have to forgive them, so you have to walk in forgiveness so that you might be free. If you don't forgive, neither are you forgiven. A lot of people say oh we're forgiven because Christ died no you're you're capable of being forgiven because Christ died but you cannot be forgiven unless you forgive we'll tell you more about a good shepherd when we come back Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So we're talking about this idea of uh, shepherds, pastors, and from the beginning, if you if you look back in Genesis forty six thirty two, it says, "And the men are shepherds, and their trade hath been to feed cattle, feed living things, and they have brought their flocks and their herds and all that they have." And so, anyway, but to the Egyptians, it says, you know, a couple of verses later, every shepherd is an abomination unto the Egyptian because they were tillers of the soil. And so, there was something going on here already. And if you understand Cain and Abel, then you'll understand there was already a conflict. But still, you know, by uh, chapter 47, verse 3, the Pharaoh said unto his brethren, What is your occupation? And they said unto the Pharaoh, thy servants are shepherds, both we and also our fathers. And so anyway, they ended up getting the land of Goshen so that they could continue to be shepherds. Now, of course, shepherds may also farm, but shepherds have this other process going on where they're taking care of something that is living and breathing, something that you cannot just force that you have to, you know, they didn't, they couldn't set up woven wire fences and barbed wire. They had, these were free ranging sheep, but the sheep followed the shepherd. They were with the shepherd. Uh, saw a video of, uh, somebody driving in Europe and there was this whole band of sheep coming down the road and there was no shepherd with them. They had what looked like, uh, maybe a Commodore or Great Pyrenees, uh, protection dog out in front. But the sheep all knew where they were going. They were just walking down the road and they were headed to where they were going. And they're creatures of habit. And so, but this is in an area where you can get away with that. If you get out into really open range where you have like 10,000 square miles and no fences, your sheep have to stick together. It is absolutely essential for their survival. And the core sheep, which happened to be a black-faced sheep that we kept and we should not have never kept, but it taught us a lot by keeping it, would always break off some sheep. And occasionally we'll see this because we'll have uh, maybe a black-faced buck that breeds the sheep. And so you'll get a mottled sheep. And some of those mottled sheep, when they get to be a certain age, you know, coming up as lambs, they will start to break sheep off from the herd. And follow the modeled sheep. That, you know, we, we had one a couple years ago that was breaking off four or five lambs and it would stray from the flock. It was really bad. It would stray from the flock. It would kept going up into the rocks. And I knew there had been coyotes up there. I knew there were actually possibly wolves up there. And since then we know that there had been wolves up there brought in by the government, uh, to, for some crazy reason. (laughs) Anyway, and it was just a matter of time before that those sheep came across a wolf and were killed and just gobbled up. I mean the the wolves can eat up a sheep overnight Coyotes can do the same when they're in a large enough uh, pack but uh, the sheep need to stick together because if they go out on the desert and or become what the Bible refers to as a scattered flock. They can just be devoured by the predators that are in the fields all the time. In Exodus 2.17 we see, And the shepherd came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. By verse 19 he says, And they said, An Egyptian, because Moses was considered an Egyptian, delivered us out of the hands of the shepherds. And also drew water enough for us and to water our flocks. Well, of course, they were also uh shepherds themselves. And these other shepherds were these, you know, like Malachites and Amalekites who were, you know, trying to take over and control the water. And it, whoever controls the water controls the people because people need water and the sheep need water and... And you need water. And water is going to become, you know, good, palatable, drinkable water in the future is going to become a real major problem for everybody in the world, especially here in America. Uh, We have a very vulnerable system that uh, could suddenly make good drinking water almost unfindable in a very short period of time without water people will perish by the millions without dr- good drinkable water because so many diseases and parasites are are passed on to a society by unclean drinking water and america owes more to plumbers for providing that good clean drinking water and keeping rid of the, getting rid of the effluents that would contaminate it than they do to doctors but if you were to follow the ways of Christ, you would know and you would do the right thing. Today, the food in America is being contaminated by GMOs, by pesticides, by herbicides uh that are getting into the, the environment and causing cancer. Your medicines are causing cancer, causing autism, and millions upon millions of people are being poisoned the, the statistic I read just the other day is that I mean they admit 97 million people or 97 98 million people were contaminated by a cancer-causing virus due to polio vaccine and that's just what they know about and yet you yeah, so if we're talking 98 million people so millions upon millions of people, are getting cancer today because they got a polio vaccine many years ago. I actually know some of these people who got cancer years later from the polio vaccine and it killed them. And, uh, and that's, they knew about the danger of this at the time they were passing it out, but there was so much money involved that they didn't tell you and they just covered it up. They contaminated millions upon millions of people with a cancer causing virus is actually what it does is it it attacks your immune system that normally would kill cancer cells as they get started until that that particular protein can't do it anymore because it's all used up fighting this monkey virus that they put into your system with the polio vaccine now if you go out and weigh how many people they save from polio but killed with cancer (laughs) That uh, you had got a net gain of maybe zero or minus zero, <laughs> because you know, just like the Spanish flu, polio to some degree went away. It was there were outbreaks for a while, but people were actually naturally developing an immunity to polio without ever getting the shot. And the same was true of the vaccine. And there were a lot of things you can do to prevent yourself from getting polio short of a vaccine and and actually develop immunity at the same time the the problem was sometimes developing an immunity to these natural diseases is that the disease may it there's a rush in the body to become immune before the disease kills you and so to survive the symptoms is the key and there's a lot of things that you can do to prevent yourself from being overcome by a disease long enough so that you can develop a natural immunity. But attacking the immune system by by depending upon the vaccine, you literally destroyed the immune system and allowed other things to come in. This is what's happening when you don't pick a shepherd like the shepherd of Christ, that It breaks down your natural defenses because the shepherd who is not of Christ is not going to tell you to do, not going to lead you in the ways of Christ. He's going to actually lead you away from the ways of Christ and breaks down your immune system to the evil shepherds of the world who will come and destroy your society. That's what's taking place. That's why... The reason GMOs have taken over in the country, because GMOs are, it's easy to stop GMOs. I mean, it's absolutely easy legal matter to stop genetically modified organisms from being created. Because when they create these GMOs, and they get a patent on them, they also have a responsibility. Well, they allowed them to say that that because they have a patent, they can protect that particular seed source, and they've destroyed. It used to be 600 seed cleaners traveling through the Midwest cleaning seed and uh, for farmers, so that they could take the seed that they produced, clean them, and replant them without the weed seeds. And there were uh, 600 of these outfits working night and day, doing this all across the Midwest of the United States. They're all out of business. All out of business. There are people who have been growing their own seed for three, four generations, and they have developed strains that are not patented, but strains that are clearly more productive than other of the same species. They've done this from Canada to Mexico. All that's being destroyed. By Monsanto. Not just that the fact that they're producing genetically modified organisms that are actually poisoning people, poisoning livestock, creating infertility, creating uh, digestive problems throughout the country, uh, actually bringing about uh, terrible intestinal disorders that is killing people. Killing livestock. Making livestock infertile. All that is taking place right now. But worse than that is they're almost totally devastated the natural source of clean, uh, viable seed. In some cases, people who have uh, generations developing seeds that produce better and better crops just by taking the best of their fields and cleaning those seeds and replanting them. The, the lawyers of Monsanto have come in and forced people to destroy those seed sources. Not only are they not reproducing those seed sources now because the seed cleaners are not in business, they're, they've actually made people destroy those genetic lines that took generations to develop. And it sets you on the edge of a precipice Where you will have unbelievable famine in the richest, most plentiful country, most fertile country in the world. You're going to have unprecedented famine, total starvation, people eating people, uh, in order to survive. And that's, that's going to come upon you. It's just, it's inevitable. I don't believe you can stop it now. I mean, I'm not going to say you couldn't, but you would have to repent in in some major way in order to prevent that. Uh, They talk about global weather change. And there is global weather change. And so what they should do to prepare for it, they are not doing. Your pastors, your shepherds, your leaders are not doing what they need to do to prepare for climate change. Climate change has taken place in 500 A.D., in uh, 1100 A.D., in 1400 A.D. There's always been climate change. And some of those climate changes has caused loss of crops. And those loss of crops uh, worldwide have caused famines worldwide in 500 A.D. Worldwide famine. So bad in places of China they were eating each other. Because there just simply wasn't any crop. That happens. Historically that happens. On a regular basis. So you would want to put up large amounts of food. You, you, you think going out and buying freeze-dried food is the answer? Absolutely not. I know somebody had a year's supply of freeze-dried food and had to depend upon it for a year. Because of financial setbacks. Long story. And they thought, well, we've got a year's supply of food. We'll just concentrate on building our business back up while we eat that food. That food was gone in six months. You can't go another six months without eating. You have to have five years' supply of food. <laughs> not freeze-dried either. And if it's freeze-dried, who's, who's going to prevent somebody from breaking in and stealing it? No, you need you need to be way smarter than that. And he realized that. But he still didn't join the network. And the network, what the Christians had to face, the same kind of famines that came upon Rome. Starvation, disease, pestilence, all those things came upon Rome and the Roman Empire. And Christians were thriving during that period because they were a part of a network that, that was filled with people who loved their neighbor as themselves. And because they had this network, if things got really bad in an the area, they could go to another area and survive and then come back again. And when they came back again, there was nobody in town. You know, a town of 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 people. There was only a handful of people left. Cities were literally vacant. They ate the rats. <laughs> it was, but they could come back. And they, they were able to come back. The Christians were able to come back because they had this network. And they survived those hard times. Since most of the people who claim to be Christians today are not really Christians but following false shepherds, they won't be coming back. They'll be dead. And, and that's, that's part of the separation of the goats and the sheep. They are not the shepherd. They are not following Christ. They are following false shepherds. And we're going to talk about how false those shepherds were, but the, a few other places in the, in the Old Testament they talk like first 1 Samuel seventeen forty he says, and he took his staff in his hands and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in the shepherd's bag, which he had even in a, in a scrip and his sling was in his hand. And he drew near the Philistines. Now, when I first read that, and of course they're talking about David. David picking these five smooth stones. But he only used one stone to kill Goliath, right? Why did he pick five smooth stones? Well, there was a message in that. And of course the story was repeated to everybody, including the Philistines. (laughs) Is that, Goliath had four brothers. <laughs> Most people don't know that. Goliath had four brothers. So he picked up five smooth stones. And he's saying, I'm going to do away with Goliath. But I got four smooth stones left in my pouch for his brothers if they want to cause trouble. You know, bring it on. And so, anyway, that's what... uh That's what the five smooth stones were all about, was about the brothers. And why do I mention that? Well, recently we've had somebody, and this happens all the time. I don't want to pick on this poor Americo guy. I mean, he's had enough trouble. He's had to live in other people's houses and everything else uh, over his life because he's not really following the ways of Christ. I hope he does repent and turn around. But other people can't see that. They don't. They don't really do any real investigation of the guy. And even if they did, they don't know what they're looking for. Because they don't understand. But David understood. He had five smooth stones. He was only going to use one now. And this is when we put together the Free Church Report. And we're talking about having the study group for the Free Church Report. People have actually been buying them to create study groups. We will go through that. We will set that up so that we can have study groups. You just talk to your pastors. The ministers in the network and, uh, we will set that up and we will go through it step by step. I'm still not going to tell you where all the smooth stones are. I'm not going to tell you how we're going to use them. Just know that there are more than five smooth stones <laughs> in the free church report. There, uh, there's a lot of things in there that need to be in there for a reason. The same as I knew I was going to be a shepherd when I was seven years old and did not even, I don't believe I'd ever even seen a live sheep. But I knew way back then, a naive, precocious little seven-year-old, that this was part of my path to learn something. And I know that many of the things in the the Free Church Report, many of the things in the Covenants of the God's, There's things in there hidden, in layers, in the script that you may not see the first time you read. God will give you the eyes to see. We will know the kingdom by revelation. Unfortunately, a lot of people think that they are receiving revelation and they know what they're doing. And they don't. They are following false shepherds. They are following foolish shepherds. Because the Bible talks about foolish shepherds. And those foolish shepherds are leading them astray and leading them to destruction. You know they 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 talk about shepherds in um, Isaiah and Jeremiah and Zechariah, and they talk about foolish shepherds and destructive shepherds and broody shepherds. How do you know what shepherd you're following? How how do you know you know the the masters? You know in Ecclesiastes it says the word. Of the wise are as goads and as nails fastened by the masters of assemblies, which are given from one shepherd. But are you listening to the words of the wise? Do you know the words of the wise? Are you following the words of the wise? You know, it, it says in 2 um, in Chronicles 18, uh verse 16 then then he said i did see all israel scattered upon the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd and and then the lord goes on to say let them return therefore every man to his house in peace you know back when they were picking a king the voice of the people were rejecting god and saying they wanted to have a king because any time you want to have a leader and you and that was one of the things that showed up in, in Americo's uh, writings when you read it, is that he was appealing to set people free, but he was also creating a, a executive system that was going to become this authoritarian court. It, you know, that's what Cain was doing. He's gonna, I'm gonna set you free from what? from your responsibilities and take away your rights is what he's saying. Because I cannot set you free from your responsibilities. You have to come together in free assemblies. And you have to be the executor of righteousness with everybody. When you understand how the Levites worked and that they were the stones that stoned you. They didn't hit you with stones. But when you were cast out the stones knew I can't give to this person. I can't support this person anymore. Uh, I either you either stone them at the gate with these living stones, or you stone them within the walls at a uh, you know against a wall. So they were still around. One was more severe than the other. When they were stoned at the gates, they didn't get anything. So the only place they could go, they didn't return to their house. They had to go out on their own. Let the world punish them. We don't have to hit them with rocks. We let the world punish them. But in the whole speech with Samuel, Samuel said when they requested this king, he said he tried to. He said, "Go back to your homes." And then they. He was told to warn them, and he says, "This was going to happen. They're going to take and take and take and take and take and take." And take. And they said, give us a king anyway, believe it or not. (laughs) And then he says, go back to your cities. And then later on, when they're appealing to the sons of Solomon that uh, to let us go. And he says, I'm going to whip you with uh, scorpions. Even though my father only whipped you with whips, I'm going to whip you with scorpions. And I'm not going to let you go. Some went back to their cities, but some went back to their own tents. And this is what the True Shepherd is trying to do is give you back the power to make the decisions and choices for yourself. But how do we do that? Well, we'll talk about that when we come back to the Keys of the Kingdom. So, welcome back. So, where is the good shepherd leading you? And where is the bad shepherd leading The brutish shepherd leading you? In Leviticus 25.10, we see, And ye shall hallow the fiftieth year, which is really a metaphor in itself, proclaim liberty throughout all the land, unto all the inhabitants, all the inhabitants of that land thereof, it shall be a jubilee unto you and ye shall return every man unto his possessions. And ye shall return every man unto his family. Because the kingdom of God is from generation to generation. The church is not a civil power. America's desire to create a court system shows you right away he doesn't understand the role of the church. He doesn't even understand the role of the kingdom. He is a Canaanite. He is like Cain. He he wants to rule. And he actually, you know, he has his alternative. He wanted to, you know, have people help prove up his land. Maybe even pay for his land. I'm not sure how far he had gotten to it. He'd been living in somebody else's house for a number of years. And uh, and that individual contacted me and said it ended badly. And I didn't even need to ask him how it ended badly or why it ended badly. Just by reading what he was saying and understanding law, understanding what it is to be a good shepherd, what it under- is to be a shepherd of Christ and his flock, I could see this was taking you in the wrong direction. Because the civil power of the kingdom is in each family. It's not in each family over the next family. It's just in each family. You control the purse strings of the kingdom because you control your own purse, your own possessions. So now, you don't have to exercise judgment. You don't have to kill the enemy. The enemy will kill himself. As a matter of fact, he if when you have the light of Christ living in you, the enemy can't even come near you. If they come into the same room with you, they feel uncomfortable. There, no one would have had power over Christ. Nobody could have crucified Christ. Nobody could have even arrested Christ, except for the fact that he allowed them. When they tried to get, grab him before, he hid himself. He hid himself where in the light, so they could not see him. They could not touch him. you don't understand how that works it's not It's not you know it's it, it has to do with the law is spiritual, and people who hate the law can't go near those who are filled with the law and with light. Those who hate the light can't go near the light and so it gives you protection. But we're gonna, your, your love of light will be tested because you are in bondage. You do not own yourselves. You do not own your possessions. You do not, you're not a part of your family. You're part of the state. You're part of the civil world. People want to just say, oh, but Jesus saved us so I don't have to do it. No. You've gone back into bondage. It tells you in the New Testament that you would become merchandise. You would go back into bondage. You'd be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. Now you need shepherds to show you how to lead you through the valley of the shadow of death. And leadeth you beside the still waters. Leadeth you to lay down in green pastures. But you're not picking those shepherds. You're picking shepherds that make you feel good. Feel Righteous feel saved already. You're not saved already. Christ has done His part, but you haven't yet repented. You you have no daily ministration to take care of the needy in a network that reaches all across the Roman Empire of today. You don't have that. Early church had that. Why don't you have that? It's because you're following false shepherds like America and a lot of others. Or you're following no shepherds. You're just following your own imagination. In uh, Isaiah 56, verse 11, it says, Yea, they are greedy dogs, which can never have enough. And they are shepherds that cannot understand. They all look to their own way. Everyone for his gain from his quarter that's where you're at that's what your shepherds are lack like. uh, you know not some of these some of your pastors are nice guys but they cover their flock because it, they think of it as their flock that's uh, it's a dead giveaway I shouldn't tell you this but it's a dead giveaway when somebody talks about their congregation <laughs> using their as a possessive pronoun their congregation. The ones that I love. That's a dead giveaway that that is, that's not a pastor of Christ. Cause he's not, he's not guiding his sheep, he's guiding Christ's sheep. <laughs> he doesn't own the congregation. He's not possessive of the congregation. He's let the congregation go. My sheep hear my voice. And when I speak as Christ spoke, who said he came to serve, then you got to figure out, oh my gosh, we have to come together to serve. If you can't figure that out, you're not going to hear the voice. You're going to be coming up with excuses why you don't have to tie it. I'm not going to tell you to tie it to me. I'm telling you, you need to be laying down your life for others. And one way to do that is to tithe. Tithe your time, your energy, and your money. Yeah, yeah, and your money. (laughs) Don't tell me, oh, we don't have to tithe because we don't raise sheep. (laughs) I mean, somebody's actually made that argument. Can you believe that? I mean, that's a popular argument with a lot of people. Oh, it was only, you know... Things that were from the land. Everything is from the land. <laughs> unless you were born in outer space. Everything comes from the land. You can't work at Starbucks unless you eat something that came from the land. <laughs> so there's still tithing even if you only work for Starbucks. Uh, that That is what we call spiritual gymnastics. <laughs> <laughs> Where you try to convince yourself, oh, I don't have to give of my life because I don't raise sheep or farm produce. (laughs) I don't have to lay down my life for others because I don't produce agricultural commodities. (laughs) But people actually think that. They actually believe that. It's nonsense. Those people are going to be swallowed up by brutish pastors they're going to be totally fooled because they have fooled themselves already. It's time to repent. Jeremiah 3.14 says, Turn, O backsliding children, saith the Lord. For I am married unto you, and I will take you one of a city and two of a family, and I will bring you to Zion. And I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. Now, he's telling you, you know, I'm going to take, you know, one from a whole city. You know, what was that whole thing with Abraham? If I can find ten men (laughs) who are righteous, you know, the fact is, is, whole city, you might only find one. Maybe two from an entire family. Two. That's it. We're taking those two. That's it. The rest, they're on their own. But he says, I will give you pastors according to my heart. Well, what is according to God's heart? Christ is according to God's heart and he came to serve. So where are your pastors who come to serve? And Where are your pastors who want to live in $10 million mansions? Because the ones who want to live in $10 million mansions, they got millions of Christians following them. Thousands in their church. Tithing to them, making them even richer. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. But that's where they're at. Jeremiah 10.21 For the pastors are become brutish and have not sought the Lord. Therefore they shall not prosper, and all their flocks shall be scattered. 40,000 different denominations. 40,000 different denominations. Pretty scattered flock. How are they brutish? Well, let's go back to the... uh Who's your leader? Who's your daddy? Who's the servants of what daddy? If you depend upon... Benefactors who exercise authority one over the other, you are not a Christian. You are not a follower of Christ. If you realize that you are dependent upon them and you are not turning around or in the process of turning around and seeking a system that operates by faith, hope, and charity in the perfect law of liberty, you are not a Christian. You do not believe in Jesus and you are not coming into the fold by the gate, by the door by the way of Christ. He says in Jeremiah 12.10, Many pastures have destroyed my vineyards. They have trodden my portion underfoot. They have made my pleasant portion a desolate wilderness. And what they've done is delivered the people into bondage. They have delivered the people into a system that makes them merchandise. Collateral for debt. If the church you want to be a, belong to is not working daily to create that daily administration, but instead wants to create courts, <laughs> like America, want to create courts that will adjudicate matters. It's not hard to adjudicate matters. We see it with... Uh, Uh, in the days of Ruth and Boaz they had an issue of law they just got the elders together that day and they adjudicated it they didn't need to have a civil court that was going to exercise it they just needed a community that would ponder the matters of justice and righteousness and witness and accept that witness and live as if it was true interacting with one another yeah, you know, anarchists are commonly you know they there's a, there's what they call ancoms anarchists who are communists and anarchists who are capitalists and caps, and they're always debating one over the other. And the fact is is that the church is not a capitalist, but the congregation are capitalists. <laughs> the church are the servants of God. They are separated out. To be, They're called out to be the servants of God. The church in the wilderness were the Levites. And the church of Christ were the apostles and the ministers of the people. That's the church. Specific. Now, we use the term today, church in general, which would include those people who are looking to the church for their social welfare instead of looking to the Canes, Caesars, and Nimrods of the world who exercise authority one over the other. They are not praying to the fathers of the world. They're praying to their Father in heaven and hoping that his servants will have the ability to provide them with daily bread from house to house through faith, hope, and charity in the perfect law of liberty. If you're not working to make that a reality, you are not seeking the way of Christ. Because that's righteousness to take care of one another through faith, hope, and charity. Because the governments of the world are not in the charity business. They have taken over the charity business and replaced it with the the business of force, fear, and violence. They forcibly take take from their neighbor to provide you with benefits. You bite out of one another and you have been devoured. You are not free souls under God. You are in bondage. You want to get out of bondage. You cannot just wave your hand. And your scripture in the air, you have to repent and seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And it is not righteous unless you come to serve. And that service has to be to take care of all the needy of your society. And then even those who are not of your society through faith, open charity, and the perfect law of liberty. And you cannot do that unless the people are tithing giving on a daily basis to provide a network of charity on a daily basis to not just yourself, not just those in your congregation, but to an entire kingdom, an entire network of people who love one another as much as they love themselves. You have to give To those you do not even know. Otherwise you have no grace. What grace have you. If you only love those you know. You have to love those you don't know. Which is why the network. A scattered network is important. That Because. In that scattered network. We have the opportunity of coming together. In the name of Christ. Who came. Not just because he knew you. He came for those people. He did not even know. Had not even met. And he came to lay down his life. And you won't even lay down a tithe. Lay down donations on a weekly basis. To take care of the needy of the kingdom. Now some of you are starting to do that. But we're also getting closer and closer to destruction that you cannot even imagine. Jeremiah 22, 22. The wind shall eat up all thy pastors and thy lovers shall go into captivity. Surely then shalt thou be ashamed and confounded for all thy wickedness. Most people even know they're in captivity. But now I'm telling you are in captivity. That's why I wrote the book, Covenants of the Gods, and so that you would understand that you are merchandise. You are surety for debt. You have cursed your children. Your parents have cursed you. And now you're in bondage again, entangled again in the yoke of bondage of the world. That's where you're at. Covenants of God doesn't tell you how to get out of there, although some of you might begin to perceive it because you begin to understand how you got to where you are. It is The purpose of Covenants of God is to orient you on the face of reality. Because once you have oriented yourself on the map of reality... You can now begin to find your way out, but you cannot get out anyway except by the way of Christ, which was a way of sacrifice. You must, you can, you don't have enough to sacrifice. You can't buy your way out with works, but you have to begin to sacrifice so that God, for others, not for yourself, but for others and those you know and those you don't know in order for you to be blessed by the liberty Christ died to give you. If you are not coming together to serve one another, those you know and those you do not know, those that are near and those that are far, if you are not coming together to serve, then you are not entering by the gate. You will not enter into a more righteous habitation. Jeremiah 23, 1. Woe be unto the pastors, that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, saith the Lord. Who are those pastors? The ones who say, my flock, my congregation. This is why I was emphasizing so many times, and I said it on, on so many of the gathering of our ministers, your congregation is not the congregation you serve. The congregation you serve needs to be the congregation of Christ. Your congregation is the congregation you are in. That's your brotherhood. You want those, and yet we had pastors who had people in their congregation and pastors who were in congregation of pastors and didn't even know. You know, if you pick a minister and you don't know all those who he ministers to, you got a job ahead of you. You need to know those who he also ministers to. Because those people are the same congregation. It's not enough you just know your pastor. You need to know everybody in in the congregation he serves. And then you can start to get to know the people in his congregation and the other congregations. Because those relationships also are what bind us. It isn't just the fact that you have this minister that doesn't bind you. It's it's love that binds you and you have to love others and other congregations. That pastor is just a link to those other congregations through which you can express your love. By giving to him, he can help give to them when they have real needs and hopes that when you have a real need that they will be there to give to you. Seeking the kingdom is a full-time job. But you can have time to do other things if you help your pastors have time to do their job. Most pastors are out padding their own nests. Padding their own vanity. And that's why Jeremiah 23.1 says, Woe unto the pastors. Because they destroy and scatter the flock. Because they draw the flock to themselves, not to Christ. Oh, they say they're drawing them to Christ. But if they're sending you to the men who call themselves benefactors to the fathers of the earth for benefits, instead of saying we need to provide those benefits amongst Christians. You know, like I just think, find it so amazing the Amish are all exempt from Obamacare. Everybody's trying to, oh, they want to reform Obamacare. The Amish don't care. They're not a part of that system. Because they were already taking care of one another. If Christians were taking care of one another this wouldn't be a problem. They wouldn't they, they wouldn't have to uh, elect somebody to make America great again, they'd be the what made America great. Unless the leaders that you have are going to do away with social welfare through men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority. Your land will not be great again. It will go into destruction. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to show you the prophecies of the destruction. They've been there all along and people have missed it. Some people have kind of seen it, but they don't understand how to avoid it. Because they don't know how to enter in at the straight gate. The straight gate is operating through faith, hope, and charity and the perfect law of liberty. Providing all the social welfare of a society within a society, within a nation. It is a nation unto itself, a people unto itself. We don't need civil courts in the kingdom if we have love for one another. And those who violate that love will be exposed by those who live in the light. You don't need, we don't need prisons in the kingdom of God. Everybody who does not seek the kingdom of God is going to end up in bondage in some prison or other. That's why God allows you to create these governments. The Workers of iniquity do it all the time. And those governments are there to punish them. So, if you're coming together and you're not coming together to be that daily ministration, you're not coming together in the name of Christ. And you already are put yourself on the outside. In Jeremiah 23, 2, it says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord of Israel, Against the pastors that feed my people, ye have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not visited them. Behold, I will visit upon you the evil of your doings, saith the Lord. Now how does the, these pastors of the world, not just, you know, pastors of so-called churches, but the actual guys who provide the benefits, these brutish pastors of the world of of socialist governments. How are they scattering the flock? Well, they're dividing the families. You don't need to go to your neighbor and ask for help anymore. You go to the government. Co- communities, you, you somebody could be being stabbed to death in broad daylight in the community and people will pull their shades. I don't know how many times I've told stories, personal experience, experience experiences uh, that my friends had where people were being attacked and nobody come to their aid. Broad daylight. Nobody comes to their aid. They don't, they don't even think about it because they're a scattered flock. You know, I tell the story of, you know, uh, one of our, we let out sheep really early and, you know, we had opened up the gate and they started going out through the sagebrush and we hadn't caught up with them yet. We were gonna do a few things and then go around and lo and behold, it was so early there were bobcats still in the field. We have more bobcats than coyotes you don't see them but they're out there (laughs) and one of them jumped one of the lambs 45 pound lamb and bit it up pretty good but didn't kill it because of the commotion there and because we came zooming along and the bobcat took off two other lambs who were not bit up stayed with that lamb for days it tried to follow the herd but it couldn't keep up because it had so many bites in its hind quarters But they stayed with that other lamb for days until it could finally keep up again and healed enough that it could keep up again. And then it was back in with the herd. That's unprecedented among sheep. Most of them would leave that wounded sheep and go back to the herd. But these lambs stayed with that lamb so it was not alone because it was walking so slow. And... And then eventually they, uh, they caught up and stayed with the herd. That's what you need. You need to create that kind of relationship. You, you do not do that unless you're laying down your life daily. Even though there's nobody in your immediate congregation that needs help, there's somebody in some congregation that needs help. Now you need a special kind of pastor that understands this. And our pastors are, you know, our ministers are starting to begin to see that Jeremiah 25:34 says how ye shepherds and cry and wallow yourselves in the ashes ye principals of the flock for the days of your slaughter and of your dispersions are accomplished and ye shall fall like a pleasant vessel like a weak vessel well those that are beginning to repent and turn around and become what he calls my people. It says Jeremiah 56, uh, verse 6. My people hath been lost sheep. Their shepherds have caused them to go astray. In your 40,000 different denominations. In your socialist governments. And they turn them away on the mountains. And they have gone from the mountains to the hills. And they have forgotten their resting place. Come together. Like Christ said. And find your resting place. Find your Sabbath. Stop depending on debt. Start loving one another. This is key to seeking the kingdom. And we'll tell you more about this. And we'll tell you about what's coming in the future. Next on Keys of the Kingdom. Welcome back to the Keys of the Kingdom. Uh, in Ezekiel 34, 2, it says, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God unto the shepherds, Woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? Ye eat the fat, and ye clothe you with the wool. You kill them that are fed, but you feed not the flock. And of course, today the shepherds uh, in the modern church, the, the shepherds in the modern church, do not provide the welfare. They do not divide the bread from house to house. They have the shepherds of the world do that. And, of course, the shepherds of the world are not doing as good a job as they used to. I mean, the huge amount of funds that are used to the administration uh of the welfare state is extremely wasteful. Huge amounts of funds are not given to by moral criteria. So they're actually, you know, wife beaters, child molesters, fornicators, sodomites, all these people, they all get access to welfare. It's a huge problem with uh, a lot of the immigrants that are coming in on welfare. People say, oh, immigrants, illegal immigrants don't get welfare. They get millions of dollars worth of welfare. Millions and millions and millions and millions. You'd be shocked at how much welfare they get. Far more proportionally like to uh, likely to get welfare than people who are already living here and have been living here. You you will not make America great until you end the social welfare through men who exercise authority one over the other. The social welfare can only be provided for a nation if it's going to be a great nation through faith, hope, and charity and the perfect law of liberty. So all the energy that you spend in getting a president who's supposedly, if he's not turning back, and I don't believe there's the will in this country to turn back, because so. You know, like I said, public school is social welfare. uh Madison was for public school, but only for the absolute indigent. the person who who is absolutely indigent well, today, most people in America must be absolutely indigent, and, and the truth is, most of the people in America today are absolutely indigent because they're born in debt fifty to sixty to a hundred and fifty thousand dollars in debt. Depends on how you want to calculate it. The debt is actually far beyond what you could imagine. And, you know, you're, you've you gone back into this bondage. And your pastors feed themselves. They pad their own pockets. Even, even the nice guys, you know, the nice pastors are really nice people. And they have a good family. And, you know, they're so sweet talking. They talk about love. And they talk about caring about one another. But where's their daily ministration? Unless they take their people and say we need to start taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity. I mean the Israelites before they could leave Egypt they had to take care of one another without government assistance. They got no straw from the government. But they still had to make their tally of bricks. They had to learn to take care of one another. This is before they could even leave. Once they left, it was even harder because they went out to some of the most inhospitable country in the world. You're headed to some of the most inhospitable country in the world. You don't have to leave town. You could stay right where you are and you will end up in the most inhospitable wilderness of righteousness in the world. Right in your own hometown. Goes on in Ezekiel, uh, four. Alright, thirty, thirty-four, verse four. The diseased have ye not strengthened. Neither have ye healed that which was sick. Neither have ye bound up that which was broken. Neither have ye brought again that which was driven away. Neither have ye sought that which was lost. But with force and with cruelty have ye ruled them. He's talking about the shepherds. As long as you depend upon men who exercise authority to provide the benefits of your society, you will not be a free people. Until you gather together to become the benefactors who don't exercise authority, and you cannot do that without tithing. You know, whether, you know, what, you know, contributing free will offerings. You cannot do that without free will offerings of an abundant nature. You, you cannot be free. Now, it's gonna take a miracle anyway. You're not gonna do this on your own. But unless you're walking in that direction, God will not take you the rest of the way. You have to repent. You have to turn around. You can't just say, I believe in Jesus and not do what he says. It's not those who are not doing what he says. It's those who are doing what he said. And he said to love one another. And unless you're taking care of one another, you don't love one another. If you're sending them to men who will devour them and put them into bondage to get their benefits, you don't love them. That simple. You're not entering at the gate. You're trying to climb over through a thought. But you're not thinking like Christ. And they were scattered, he says, because there is no shepherd. They became meat to all the beasts of the fields. When they were scattered, that's what's happening to you guys. You are meat. You're on, you're on the menu. You should be devoured because you've been taking a bite out of one another. Now you say, I'm going to stop taking a bite. I'm going to stop taking the benefit. But now you have, in order to get back, you have to become the benefit. Those of you who want to walk in self-righteousness and say, I don't owe any taxes because Jesus has saved me. Bunk. You're a fool. Anybody who listens to these people are are listening to foolish pastors. You have to repent and seek righteousness by loving one another. You can't do that by a thought. You have to actually sacrifice. My sheep wandereth through all the mountains and upon every high hill. Yea, my flock was scattered upon all the face of the earth. And none did search or seek after them. Well, we are. But we're only seeking those that hear his voice. And those that hear his voice will come together to serve. Because he lives in them. And when he lives in them, they will come together to serve. They don't come together to feel self-righteous. They come together to serve. They come together humbly to wash one another's feet. Therefore ye shepherds, hear the word of the Lord, he says. In verse 7, As I live, saith the Lord God, surely because my flock became a prey, and my flock became meat to every beast of the field, because there was no shepherd, neither did my shepherd search for my flock. But the shepherd fed themselves and fed not my flock. See, if your pastors are not bringing you together to become the social welfare, the daily ministration of righteousness, then they're not shepherds of God. Now I know that some of you who might be pastors out there already you say, well, you know, if I told my people this and I've had pastors whisper this to me, they would all leave. Well, you're gonna to have to break it to him sometime. And, and over and over again we see it, and when we get to the New Testament and talking about shepherds, we'll see where Jesus talks about when he explains this to people, many people left him. Said, no, we can't do that. You know, this is what it means to drink of his blood and eat of his flesh, is to do it the way he's saying to do it. That was, that's just as foreign to them back then as it is to you today to think that we have i've had people say well we couldn't do that we couldn't afford that our building fund would be depleted overnight the first time somebody got cancer if you did this you could lay hands on them and they'd be healed of cancer (laughs) if they really believed the thing is you want to be called believers without really believing therefore oh ye shepherds hear the word of the lord he says This is, he says this, Therefore, shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. He actually says this both in verse 7 and and verse 9. In verse 8 he says, As I live, saith the Lord God, surely because my flock became that prey. You have become that prey. You have gone into bondage. That's the purpose of writing the covenants of the gods. And those of you who think the Constitution is going to save you, I wrote contracts, covenants, and constitutions. And those of you who don't understand the perfect law of liberty, I wrote the higher liberty. But unless you live this, you won't get this. Verse 10, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I am against the shepherd, and I will require my flock at their hand, and cause them to cease from feeding the flock, neither shall the shepherd feed themselves any more; for I will deliver my flock from their mouth that they may not be meat for them. The temptations of Jesus to turn stones into bread is the same principle that he's talking about here. You' living stones, you're not to be I don't want you to be my bread. Now, that doesn't mean you can't help out, but I don't want to turn you. I won't won't do this by force. I won't do this by forcing guilt upon you. You have to learn to operate not from guilt, but from love. You have to make that commitment to follow the ways of Christ. Not just go to church on the weekend for thus saith the Lord God behold i even i will both search my sheep and seek them out and this is this is the vetting process for the kingdom as a shepherd seeketh out his flock in the day that he is among his sheep that are scattered so will i seek out my sheep and will deliver them out of all the places where they have been scattered in The cloudy and dark day. Days have been dark. People have not known the ways of Christ. They have taught a lesser way. And people have followed that. Many have followed that. And I will bring them out of the people and gather them from the countries and will bring them to their own land and feed them upon the mountains of Israel by the rivers in all the inhabited places of the country. Now this is prophesying something to come. That has come already. Because this is way back in Ezekiel. And Ezekiel talks about this in verse 38. eight. After many days thou shalt be visited. In the latter years. I mean in the end times. Whatever you want to call them. You shalt come into a land. Because he's talking about prophecy way in the future. That is brought back from the sword, and is gathered out of many people against the mountains of Israel, which have been always waste, but is brought forth out of the nations, and they shall dwell safely, all of them. That's not Israel. Over there, that's somewhere else. Where? This is a land of unwalled villages, the land of many cattle that feeds the whole world. Goes on and talks about them where they, they, they live, dwell safely. And they're from people all over the world. And they were his flock because they live by faith, hope and charity. There was no social welfare. There was no socialism. They tried socialism when they first came to this wasteland, this wilderness, but it didn't work. You know I mean, why were the Indians destroyed? We already went to this why people who say, "Oh, the white men are so bad and everything. They were killing each other before we got here. Many of the tribes aligned themselves with the whites because they feared other Indians they, they They were killing each other rapidly. This was no paradise. And disease came through and wiped them out, and people say, "Oh, it's because we brought the disease. well, yeah, they had their own diseases, <laughs> wiped out lots of us. But the reality is is this is the law of nature, and this is one of the things that we probably should get to in uh in this uh part of the uh I won't go through all of ezekiel thirty eight you have to read it yourself, but we're talking serious destruction, we're talking multiple nations are talking." Treaties, we're talking uh, people dying by the millions. And then, then bad stuff starts happening. <laughs> so, I mean, you have a lot to look forward to because those days are upon us. Most liberals and atheists believe in both socialism and evolution, whether communism or socialism, it doesn't really matter, or democratic socialism, it's all socialism. And And we've talked before how you know Jamestown and the Pilgrims both tried a system of socialism you know from each according to his ability to each according to his need, and this be enforced by that civil power that America wants to create, <laughs> although he won't admit it, but that's uh and a lot of other people want to have, and it's it's totally accepted as okay today in in the minds of people, but it is not okay. But the interesting thing is the idea of socialism and evolution being advocated by the same individual is totally illogical. Makes no sense whatsoever. It shows you that somebody is completely debased of all reason. Evolution includes the survival of the fittest. That's what evolution is all about. The survival of the fittest. While socialism promotes the survival of the least fit at the expense of the most fit. <laughs> that's right. Socialism is the reverse of evolution. It will destroy a society. It will bring a society down. And that's where you're at now because you've had socialism for over 100 years in America. And all around the world. And it's grown and grown and grown and grown. And so the, you you wonder, you know, everybody talks about these snowflakes and millennials and everything. You created them because of socialism. And, and it's pervaded into your families. Your families have treated their own children like a socialist state where they provide and they provide and they provide and they provide. And they don't require them to carry their own weight. They need to require them to carry their own weight. Because if we do live in a system where there is survival of the fittest. Now that survival of the fittest includes the fittest in righteousness. If you love one another, if you are moral and care about one another, then we can actually take our time and energy and help you survive. But if you are selfish and wicked and evil and base and brutal, or just slothful, we should not provide for you. We should not take care of you. And, and this is something that's kinda of really hit home in the, in the last few weeks here, because we're in lambing and I've, I've had to deal with so many sheep. And so many different and I realize certain things more clearly and this is why God picks his leaders from people who are actually shepherds because there's lessons to be learned in this process and we'll talk about that in the next program but I, I wanted to bring up at least uh, those things and, and there also there's this uh, book that's out and I won't I don't recommend anybody read it or anything I'm not trying to sell somebody else's books Greg Boyd or Gregory Boyd. Wrote a book about the Christian myth, uh, nation. Uh, I can't even remember the name of the title right now. I was wondering if I had jotted it down somewhere. He, you know, it has to do with the myth of a Christian nation, I think is the name of it. And he was in a debate with Chuck Colson, who, you know, quotes, render under Caesar, uh, things that are Caesars, you know, and everything. So he's, he's kind of justifying the system. And I I do believe you should render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, but if you really are rendering under things, unto God the things that are God's, there will be a lot less that you have to render unto Caesar, which is why no Amish people were going to be getting the penalty of Obamacare because they didn't have Obamacare because they were exempt already because Caesar said, well, they're already doing it, so they don't have to render unto me. But you're not doing it as a modern Christian, and so therefore you do have to render under Caesar more than you should because you won't render under God. And your tithing is to be given to God. It doesn't belong to your minister. Your minister is supposed to be using it for God's purposes, which is to love your neighbor as yourself, to take care of them. If you If you change that way, a spiritual process begins. A leak in the the prison that you are now held in and the bondage that you're now held in begins to take place and the very bars that keep you in begin to disintegrate. But if you don't start taking care of one another, if you don't start the sacrifice, the daily sacrifice, you know, they they talk about the daily sacrifice and the rebuilding the temple. The temple that they're rebuilding is the temple made of living stones, not some temple over there in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is not double peace. Jerusalem is a physical location and anybody who thinks that Israel over there and Jerusalem over there is the answer, I mean there may be really fine great people there, I don't know. If that has to do with prophecy, that's idolatry. That those are just things that go by that name. Jerusalem is double peace, peace in your heart and peace in your mind. Israel is a place where God prevails. And where God prevails is where your people are seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You haven't been doing that. You've been seeking the pastor that tickles your ears. Chuck Colson included. I mean, he's a nice guy. Greg Boyd included. Greg's a little closer in some ways, but he still doesn't get it. He needs to read my books. (laughs) He needs to hear Christ is what he needs to do. And we talk about Christ. You know, Chuck Colson rendered unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and he quotes that, but where does he quote, uh, but he shall, uh, also, you know, he, uh, Jesus also said, swear not. And James said, above all else, stop the taking of those, yet Chuck Colson believes in taking an oath and going into the military and fighting. And that's fine if he wants to do that, but that's not what Christ, he's not following Christ. He's not doing what Christ said. You know, you're he's taking oaths. And Jesus said, Anything more than yes for yes and no for no cometh of evil. You know, if you get drafted into the army, you may have to go because you're already in bondage. But when you get there, you don't have to take the oath. You can you say, I am here to serve. I am here to serve in the military because that's my obligation. But I can't take the oath and I can't affirm. Anything more affirming or swearing, anything more than yes for yes and no for no, Cometh of evil. And I don't want to be coming of evil, but I am here to serve. <laughs> you will get out. They will let you go. <laughs> and don't take the pay. Oh, I can't take, I can't do this. I'm defending my country. I can't do it for pay. That'd make me a mercenary. I'm sorry. I can't sign for the money. I, I can't receive that money, but I'm here to serve. I can't say that you're not here to serve and that you're refusing your obligation. I'm just not going to take money. I don't know where that's been. (laughs) I don't know where you got that from. Did you take that from my neighbor by force? I can't be a part of that. I'm here to serve. See, if you came to serve, you'd be out of the draft. (laughs) You wouldn't have to worry about it. (laughs) And and if you came in the name of Christ, that's what you would be doing. Yeah, you couldn't be joining the military and taking oaths. Now, I'm not condemning the people that have done that. They don't know. But it's time that we repent. In Luke 3:14 it says, And the soldiers likewise demanded of him, referring to John the Baptist, saying, And what shall we do? Because they knew they were already in bondage under an oath. They were soldiers, for God's sakes. And he said unto them, Do violence to no man. Would well, that mean they had to put their swords down? No, because their swords wasn't about violence. It was about justice. Neither accuse any falsely. So, you know, get away from corruption and be content with your wages. So, if you're in the system, okay. Let's seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. We'll talk more about this on the next show of Keys of the Kingdom. Until then, peace on your house and may God be with you. God bless.